Welcome to Growth Mindset University. My name is Jordan Paris, 21-year-old author and host of this show. And with this show, you and I will embark on a journey to learn the things that we should have learned in school but did not, so that we may take control of our lives while fulfilling our visions of success. Each episode will feature a brand new lesson, and now it's time for today's lesson. So put your thinking cap on because school is now in session. Before we get into it today, make sure that you are subscribed to the show, Growth Mindset University, wherever you are listening to this podcast. Everything we do here is to help you, to help you learn so that you can do all that you were created to do, so that you can maximize your potential and who you are. As cliche as that sounds, we have interviews with New York Times bestselling authors and really just the most successful people in the world every single week, two times a week, we have those interviews. So we don't want you to miss it. Make sure you go do that. And now without further ado, please enjoy the show. All right, my guest today is Johnny Wimbry. Johnny trains and encourages thousands through coaching seminars and speaking engagements. His inspirational story of overcoming life's adversities has empowered others to follow on the journey to wealth, which we're going to dig into today. Author of From the Hood to Doing Good, Wimbry is marked with life memories of living in a battered woman's shelter to growing up on the street as a young drug dealer. After several near-death experiences and the loss of a good friend, Wimbry decided it was time to turn his life around and not let his past define his future. Johnny Wimbry, he's here today. Welcome to the show, Johnny. Thank you, Jordan. I appreciate it. It is an honor and pleasure to be on your show, brother. Fantastic. What what was it to turn your life around? Man, you know, there's several things that kind of, you know, altered my path, uh, but there's one um, specific situation that was very pivotal in, in, in terms of two, in, in terms of you know, make an extreme, extreme change in life. Um, my earliest memory of life was living in a battered women's shelter, made a lot of bad decisions in life. Uh, a lot of things were out of my control. Uh, most of the things that I did uh, that I shouldn't have done were probably in my control. But, you know, you know, like I said, you know, from the hood to doing good. Earliest memory of life, living in a battered women's shelter, uh, was raised around gangs and violence and drugs my entire life, um, you know, participated in a lot of that world. And when I was a junior in high school, one of my homeboys were murdered. And sadly, it wasn't my first friend murdered, but this one was different because I actually knew the person very well who killed him. And um, really, yeah, yeah, it was pretty crazy. Junior in high school, I get a phone call uh, during the Super Bowl halftime show saying, you know, Mookie's dead. And I'm like, what's going on? It's my boy Spud. And he said that uh, Red killed him. And I'm like, what? So the night of the wake, we um, we really planned on retaliating and we all had guns and we went in to show our respect. But at the, after that, we were going to leave and the family invited us to be in this small circle. Looking back at it now is probably a setup. 
because the mother um, of my friend stood before the casket and she said, I forgive the young man who killed my son. And I remember at that moment, probably having the most mature moment in my life at the age of 18, um, at the, up, up to that point. And the moment was, I don't love him like that. You know, I don't love him the way his mother loves him. And if she can find forgiveness, who am I to seek revenge? Well, that night I walked up and I gave my gun to a preacher and I just said, man, I don't want to live like this anymore. You know, Sigmund Freud says you, you become a product of your environment. And I proved that theory right. You know, I began to operate in the environment of everything that was around me by choice. Um, and I just kind of found myself up to this moment thinking, man, you know, I don't want to. I've, I've, had, I've had friends killed and and sad um, up to that point, but I didn't want to be that. You know, I wasn't. You know, I wasn't that kid that wanted to be popular in trouble. I was more like the Fresh Prince of Bel-Air. I was that kid. I was like mm -hmm. the class clown, uh, could talk my way out of any situation. And everything that I did, you know, in the streets was to it was to get off the streets. Never wanted to be that popular bad kid. So that was a major moment for me when I gave the gun to the preacher. And the next day at the funeral, there was a young lady sitting down uh, about three seats down from me. And I didn't recognize her, but she was a very beautiful girl. And uh, her name was Crystal. I met her that day. Today, she's my wife for almost 21 years next month. Wow. No yeah. way. <laughs> That's she, crazy. You, yeah. you could have been a criminal in jail for, for life, and, but instead you put it down and met your wife. Absolutely, man. It's, I mean, it's pretty much literally, literally um, prayed to God that night. I said, send somebody in my life who can help me stay out of trouble, you know, hitting that reset button in life. And uh, lo and behold, Crystal was sitting three to four seats down for me at this funeral within 24 hours of me giving my gun to a preacher. Huh, did you find it, you know, once you, I guess, turn good, do you, was, <laughs> was there, was there like any relapses or temptations? Oh yeah, man. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. How'd how uh, you, how you stave that off? Well, I mean, I, I wasn't perfect at it, um, but you know, that was the major turning point. The major turning point, see, when you have a point of reference, you can always come back to it, right? I didn't have a point of reference, but that was my point of reference. My point of reference was, listen, you know, I'm not going to allow my past to determine my future. I got a brother serving 40 years in prison right now. And the only difference is I didn't get caught. You know, I'm the baby boy. So I'm like truly the definition of God's grace and mercy. The real crazy thing is, you know, I had, I've always been an entrepreneur. And I sold candy in, in, in elementary. I, you know, sold pagers and even sold guns in high school. Oh I mean, my gosh. I didn't know what I didn't know. It's like Les Brown says, I didn't know what I didn't know. I knew what I, what I was doing was wrong. I just didn't know another way. And I became a, a, you know, I'd be a victim of my environment, if you will, by choice. So with all that being said, man, um, it, it, it was a point of reference where I made a declaration that I'm going to fight to win, but it wasn't that smooth. You know, I made a lot of bad decisions even after that, but I just kind of made a commitment to myself that I was going to make a decision to live. And so even though I made decisions um, that were not in alignment with where I said I was going to go, ultimately at the top of my list was living. When was the first time you started dealing drugs? Man, I was like 14, 15 years old. I was 15. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and it's sad because that was my environment. It, 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 wasn't, it wasn't hard to access. It was easily accessible. And, and that was a way to make money quick. 
So, you know, fast forwarding even today, you know, being an entrepreneur, you know, because I had a felony arrest as a as a teenager, I couldn't get a regular job. You know, I, I, American Airlines wouldn't hire me. FedEx wouldn't hire me. UPS wouldn't hire me um, because I had a felony arrest. So I, I, I was forced to, you know, to this world of entrepreneurialism, which I really was already an entrepreneur. And Jordan, I believe that the number one reason that people are not successful in life is because they're afraid to take risk. Well, I was a walking, talking risk. Every time I walked out of my door, my life was in jeopardy. You know, my freedom was in jeopardy, but I just, I, I was just going down the wrong path of taking risk. So when I stopped that life to start the new life, I never lost the fight and I've never lost the determination of never being that person who's afraid to take risk. So in a way, you know, being forced to create your own path and you know, create your own job, so to say, right. This is a really good thing. Like you're really yeah. glad that that was the case that nobody would hire you, right? Yeah. I mean, you know, I, I look back at life and people ask me all the time, you know, what would you change if you could change anything about your past? I, I mean, I just wouldn't change anything other than the fact that I would tell, you know, little Johnny to believe sooner, believe sooner, believe sooner that you deserve it, believe sooner that, you know, you can forgive yourself and move past all this crap, you know, from your past and you don't have to bring it into your future. It's made you who into, made you into the warrior that you are, but you have to always acknowledge the fact that, you know, it was wrong. It was wrong. And forgiving myself was a major process um, in the step in the right direction. Before you got out of there, out of the woods, though, you had some near death experiences. What were, what were some of those run-ins? <laughs> you know, um, I actually talk about this talk about this in my book. You know, you can either be a friend or a foe to your declaration. And my declaration was I wanted to live. My declaration is I wanted to be successful. I wanted to be massively successful. I mean to the extreme of my story. Like I wanted to be that extreme story of success because I still go visit my brother in prison. I still see people in prison that are wearing the clothes that I should be wearing. So I don't look down at them. I, I just, I don't, I don't have that moment of I'm better than you. My moment is I am you. I'm just God's grace and mercy of it. Right. So um, give me the question one more time. Cause I was going to go, go into a story, but I want to make near, sure. I yeah. yeah. Near, near death experiences, near death experiences, man. Um, so I said all that to say this, um, you, you know, you can be a friend or a foe. A friend is a person, place, or thing that's pushing you towards your destiny. A foe, an F-O-E, is a person, place, or thing that's pulling you away from your destiny. And this is one of the topics that I teach in my book that helped me through the situation that I'm about to tell you because I was being my own foe, F-O-E, in the certain situation that I'm about to share with you. And I knew that I had to make drastic seasons of separation from anything, any place or any person that has the ability to hold me back. That's my definition of a foe, right? Doesn't mean you're my enemy. It just means you're a foe at this season. I can't handle being this in, in this environment. So I found myself hanging out with my homies, which is not really a big deal. But I was hanging out with my homies in a different light. And I was like, you know what? You know, we're going to go rolling like we used to go rolling. <laughs> and that's kind of where the trouble started. Found myself at a gas station in Fort Worth, Texas. And I saw one of my homeboys um, that I grew up with. And and somebody got out of his car. I think it was his cousin um, from another side of, uh, side of town. He's like, who are you? And I'm like, you know, my friends, like, it's my boy Johnny, you know. Um, and his, I don't know if he was high or whatever, but he just started like, like just popping off at me. And I just kind of threw my hands up like this. And I was like, you know what? 
immediately I thought to myself, you're not supposed to be here, Johnny. You made a declaration that you were going to cut off and get on the path until you reach a level of maturity where you can handle being in situations like this. It's too early and it's too soon. And I remember having that moment. I just threw my hands up and walked away. Well, the guy thought I was going to my car to get a gun. He thought, <laughs> he thought, okay, this is the old Johnny, right? So he runs to his car and pulls out an assault rifle, uh, like a military style assault rifle. Um, and this is back in 1996. And here I am running for my life. And all I hear is like an assault rifle, like shooting. And um, I dove behind my car and all of my homeboys who were there were in the store. One of them, I think, was outside because he tells me the whole story of what happened. And I come up fr from my car and they that other car pulls off. And my friend says, what happened? I'm like, man, dude just started popping off on me. I started walking to my car and he started shooting in the air. And I remember like it was yesterday, Jordan. My friend Ricky looks at me and he says, Johnny, he wasn't shooting in the air. He was shooting at you. He was leaning over your car, shooting down. He said, we never thought you were going to come up. And mm -hmm. that was one of those moments where I found myself in a situation Whereas all, it was as if God was saying to me, I told you, you cut it all off. Like mm. I had to cut everything off that had the potential of holding me back from my destiny. Yeah, you really just put me in the, in the scene, in the scene there, <laughs> man. I felt, felt like I was living it for a second. That was pretty, it got, I got goosebumps, you know? Thanks, that was, brother. That was pretty wild, man. So you know, you, there's some, there's some people that you grew up with that I imagine, you know, continue to go down a really mm -hmm. uh, poor path. And, you know, your mm -hmm. brother, you mentioned ended up in, you know, he's in prison for 40 years. However, I imagine also that there are people that made it out yeah. similar in a similar fashion that you did. And they're successful human beings today. Yeah. Well, are there, are there distinguishing characteristics between the people who, made it out yeah you know it's the difference between being a victim and a victor you know a victim will sit back and say it's society's fault you know the man is trying to hold me down i'm a victim of my circumstances i've never had a i never had an opportunity you know uh you know i you know you started at level zero i still i started 50 feet you know underground either way it's a fight it's, it doesn't mean that the story's not true but it's a fight for your own freedom and, you know, one of the things about being from the streets is, you know, you got to have this, this, this hard complex. You've got to look and act like someone who can't easily be taken. And that, and, and that creates a, a roughness. It creates, you know, a persona of character where you're walking around almost mean mugging and, and, and looking like, you know, don't mess with me because, you know, you know, I'm not the person to mess with. And what happens is you find yourself performing in that in, in that character to such an extreme that you don't really understand how to use that industry how to use that same energy in your favor there are people who will fight and die for their streets but they wouldn't do it for themselves 
So the individuals that are still there, they're just individuals who won't fight for themselves. The individuals who made it out are individuals who just transferred that energy from fighting for, for you know, for, for the streets and they begin to fight for themselves. You know, my one of my favorite scriptures from the Bible is, you know, um, when I was a child, I thought like a child. I acted like a child. I reasoned like a child. But as an adult, I got to put away childish things. And, and, and I love that scripture because... When it says that, it didn't say, I forgot the childish things. It didn't say, you know, I burnt them. It said, I put them away. So I can access the old Johnny if I want to. I still have access to him. I didn't burn him. I didn't destroy him. He's on the shelf. It's my character. It's my obedience to my process. It's my, you know, maturity and discipline that keeps him on the shelf. Do you understand what I'm saying? Absolutely. So when I entered the business world, you know, when I when I got out of high school, I went to acting school and acting school probably saved my life. It taught me how to communicate. It taught me how to work with other individuals. You know, when I'm, you know, I was again, I was like that Fresh Prince of Bel-Air type character. So I was mm-hmm. the, you know, the comedy guy, the, you know, the kid that could talk his way out of anything, even in the midst of being in trouble. And, you know, talking used to get me in trouble and now it's made me millions. Well, you know, I see now. You know, we're out of we're out of the woods, right? Yeah. You now, when when people <laughs> ask what you do, how do you answer that? Today, you know, I own a multi million dollar um, um, training company. I do seminars and events around the world. I help people establish their brand by becoming published authors. I train people in the public speaking arena the same way that Les Brown uh, trained me. You know, Les Les Brown was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Les Brown's like a father to me, and and he saw the hunger in me in my early twenties, and me investing in myself and going to uh, his speaker training courses, and and now Les has put me on stage, you know, all over the world, even before I was thirty years old, and now today, you know. I run a company. I have teams in over 40 countries around the world. In the network marketing world, I'm a multimillionaire. In the personal development world, I'm a multimillionaire as a published author, as a television personality. So I have all these worlds that that, that are still, you know, revolving around, you know, Johnny the entrepreneur. So typically, if I'm doing something, it's got to fit in Johnny's circle of life. And my circle is empowering individuals to live the absolute best version of themselves in every shape, form, or fashion. And Les Brown is a mentor in a way to you. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Les yeah, Brown's so, like a father. Right. Yeah. I mean, I have a similar mentor. That, I have a mentor that does similar things, you know, and, and brings me similar opportunities. And it's just, I, I really, awesome. I, I, I cannot stress the importance of mentorship enough I've talked about it so much, uh, especially recently, and I mean, I've now had several. But what did it? What was the process for you? You know, reaching out. I mean, because there's a very specific way that we should go about reaching out to high net worth individuals, high profile mm-hmm. individuals. Yeah. How was that, what was that for you? I mean, the exact same thing that that I tell people who want to reach out to me is is exactly what I did. You know, number one, you got to invest. You got to re- you you have to be willing to participate in your rescue. You'll hear me say that a thousand times because that's where that's where people miss it. You know, you could be a groupie of the personal development arena and just be a groupie. Be mm-hmm. close to it, love it, celebrate it, or you can implement. 
Those who implement are participating in their rescue. So I had to participate in where I said I wanted to go in life. And if I said I wanted to be a motivational speaker, I'm going to attach myself to the best motivational speaker on the planet. And at that time, and even now, I believe is Les Brown. Okay. And attaching myself to him, being around him, being willing to serve, even though I was paying to be around him, I was serving. I have served in capacities, Jordan, to the point where I had holes in my shoes. I've served in the capacity of high-level leadership to the point where I had to go get IV because I'm so dehydrated. I'm serving coffee. I'm picking people up from the airport. I'm being in closed rooms with people like Bishop T.D. Jakes and, and, and Les Brown and, and Joel Osteen. Just very extremely. Oh, my man, Joel. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and you're in situations where you're thinking like, you know, listen, if you don't put yourself in environments where you are afraid to speak, you're not putting yourself in environments where you have the potential to grow. I've been in environments where I say nothing. I'm just there to serve, but I'm around the information enough. So in my 20s, I would say from like 22 um, all the way to like 27 years old. I served in a capacity in a way where people thought I was crazy. They thought I was stupid. They thought I was throwing my life away. They thought I was kissing ass for individuals who I just wanted to be around. That's what that, that that's not what it was about. It was about me participating in where I say I want to go in life. And I've got to put myself in those type of situations. So my number one quote that I love that I say. I'm sure other people love other quotes of mine, but this is my favorite quote of mine. Is I think I, I, I might know it's coming. I might know, but, but say it. All right. So I surround myself <laughs> around the thinking that outthinks me. So I surround uh -huh. myself around yeah, yeah, yeah. the thinking that outthinks me. And another, you know, another thing that people hear me say a lot, you know, I don't follow parked cars. I don't follow people who just look good or sound good. You have to have proven, documented success for me to follow you. Follow parked cars, you said. Yeah. I mean, you could be a Rolls Royce, but if you're parked, that doesn't mean anything. There's no value for me to stand behind a parked car. The idea is to be moving. You got to be moving. You got to follow people who are proven, who are moving and making things happen. What about, what about rest? Do you, do you, <laughs> is, what about balance? Do, do you find balance? Man. Yeah. I I may be one of the most uh, um, successfully balanced people that I know because I'm also the guy that can sit on a beach for a whole day and say, "Don't bother me." Mm -hmm. I'm that you know I'm the guy that can be the quietest person in the room, and people say, "What's wrong with Johnny?" He, he's just I'm just balanced. I don't have to be the show. Um, and 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 for me, and this is huge for me. It, I mean, I would highly anybody. You're 21, right? I'm 21. 21 years old, man. If Listen, anyone who's your age that's listening to what I'm about to say, it could change your life forever. Listen to me very clearly. Busy does not mean productive. Oh, yes. This is one of my favorite things. Yes. <laughs> Listen, man, you can find yourself in a situation where you feel like being busy is productive. And this is one of the things that I teach. Listen, you could be moving in the wrong direction and be counterproductive, but you're busy. Absolutely. Busy does not mean productive. You can be productively unproductive. Here's the tweetable, a, a tweetable. There's many tweetables to this. <laughs> Busyness is the most common form of laziness. Man. <laughs> I, yeah. I, I, have a, uh, I, I have a note. I have a note on my desk right here. See it, Johnny? Let me see. I'll make a, I'll, I'll make a noise here. You can hear it in the microphone. I, I can see it. Yeah, yeah. It says, 
are you inventing things to do to avoid the important? And, <laughs> and that is always wow. in the corner of my desk right here. And it is exactly what we're talking about right now. I can, the way I think about it is, oh, good. And, and, I, and I may, I may have heard this from Tim Ferriss. I am not exactly sure. Uh, I'm not sure if he said it or not, but it's like, antelope versus or, or you know being a lion or a cat you can right. you know if you're a lion you eat antelope and if you're a cat you know you eat field mice right, right. so it's the difference like so obviously like if you're eating field mice i mean you got to have a lot of them to feel full a lot of them it feels like you're getting a lot done you're eating yeah. a lot of them but when you're an antelope it takes a long time yeah. to 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 get that and and when when you and it's a lot of hard work and when you finally get that antelope mm -hmm. your your end production value mm -hmm. stands at a grand total of 1 however you know quantity doesn't necessarily necessarily mean quality here right. it's <laughs> you know chasing after the big things the meaningful things that really matter sure uh yeah i i'm 100 on. no board. i love you that. got me going with this topic no, here, i, I love, love it, it. I, I could talk about this all day because i know people who are so busy and broke oh yeah and then i know people who are extremely successful financially and like a richard branson richard branson never looks busy to me however he's in incredibly incredibly like just beneficial to his own gift i believe that most people are busy trying to master their weaknesses instead of being busy mastering your strength when you can master your strength and manage your weaknesses i pay people to manage my weaknesses and there are a hell of a lot more weaknesses than i have that I that, that that I have strengths. So why would I turn my back on maybe 5%, which is my strength, to go manage 95%? That makes me busy. If I'm spending 95% of my time babysitting my weaknesses, that means I'm productively unproductive because what I should do is hire people, team up with people who have who are good at my weaknesses. Delegate. Yeah, delegate and give a little bit up. See, when you can understand this at your age, like seriously, people don't, the word delegate to a 21 year old is, is a very foreign word because in our youth, in our youth, especially men in our youth, we go to war with our strength, our physical strength in our, you know, as we begin to mature, we, we, we go to war with wisdom. Wisdom will always outlast strength. So when you can learn this at such an early age, the power of delegation, number one, the power of understanding the difference between procrastination and production, you can be procrastinating and be busy. Procrastination is the death of production. Production is something that you are bringing to life. Procrastinating could be, okay, I'll, I want to write a book. But I need to go get a new desk. I need to go <laughs> buy. I need to go buy a a, a a a a a writing software. So you start building and going to do things that look good. It looks valuable, 
But truthfully, you're procrastinating. You're preparing to prepare. Preparing to prepare is another word for procrastination, and procrastination mm. is the death of production. And just because you're moving, it doesn't mean you're productive. That's a new one. Preparing to prepare. I mean, a lot of times I find too, people just think way too much. I mean, I <laughs> I see it in the podcast world, you know, people preparing to prepare mm -hmm. slash thinking too much in that, you know, people come to me all the time. They want to be the next podcasting sensation. But they, you know, so mm -hmm. there's a lot of variables. Yeah. There's a there's so many different variables that get people stressed out yeah. and like overwhelmed. Sure. Uh, you know, what technology, what recording software for the best audio quality, what microphones, what this, what that, what hosting, yeah. what, uh, how, how this, how do I reach out to guests? And so it becomes very, very stressful. Yeah. And they, and then they just like the easier thing to do is to not do it. Right. And they end up. <laughs> You know, they end up not doing it, but you know, of course. And so I've like, you know, I have my, my resource that I always, you know, not always, but you know, I have at the beginning of the show, it's uh, jordanparis.com slash P U podcast university. It solves yeah. for all of those variables. And the idea being you eliminate the preparing to prepare. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and it's a trap, you know, um, deception wouldn't be deception if it were obvious, right? So things that you could be deceiving yourself with, the chances that when, when you're deceiving yourself, when you're in self-deception, typically you're the last person to know. And Oh, wow. The, oh, 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 that's powerful. <laughs> well, I mean, it's self-deception, right? So Yeah, so, my, so, my friend always says, like, if you want an honest opinion, don't ask yourself. No, exactly. Yeah, so, I yeah. mean, if, that's why you, know, you got to surround yourself around the thinking that outthinks you. And that's why you need mentorship. And in my book, I talk about, you know, mentorship. You know, Les Brown is my mentor, but he didn't choose me. I chose him. A true mentor is chosen by the protege. The mentor accepts the assignment. The protege chooses the mentor. And if you find yourself shopping for mentor to mentor to mentor to mentor, chances are the mentors aren't the one with the problem. It's you. Like if I choose you to be a mentor, I just basically gave you the power to tell me no. And if you tell me no and I don't listen and I want to go to another mentor because you hurt my feelings, then chances are I'm the one with the problem, not the mentor. So when you're looking for a mentor, you got to understand you're the one who picks the mentor. The mentor accepts the assignment. But part of the assignment is you give them the ultimate power to say no mm -hmm. or they're not a mentor. Oh, absolutely. So we've got one more thing today. You know, yeah. The journey to wealth. Tell me about that. What's that about? Journey to wealth. Where, um, I'm actually launching my first seminar um, title brand, um, Johnny Wimby seminar called Journey to Wealth. And that's probably going to be coming up uh, this particular um, fall. Journey to Wealth to me, man, that's a brand that I've been rocking probably for about five to seven years because I just believe that, you know, success is a journey. It's not a destination. I don't believe if if you feel like success is a destination, then it gives you the audacity to look down on other people because in your mind you arrived. I don't ever want to arrive in my own mind. I always want this thing called success to be a journey. Success is not a dollar amount. Success is not a certain accomplishment. It's, it, it's just these dots that you connect throughout the journey. And then one day you can look back and say, wow, this is what I did to get to where I'm at. I was interviewed on a show like this, what we're doing right now. I think I was in Australia 
And um, I had just got off stage and they interviewed me and they said, Johnny, you know, what's next for you? What's what's one of those things like the next hurrah for you? How do you want this thing to play out? And I remember saying something. You ever said something on your show before? And you're like, oh, man, that was deep. I said that. But you can't pause and celebrate uh, yourself. Uh, a lot they- <laughs> of times, a lot of times it's the other way. Where I, I'm like, wow. I just said that. That's I'm so stupid. <laughs> I swear, it's like <laughs> let me tell you about one moment. One moment where I thought to myself, like, yeah, I said that. Someone asked me that question, Johnny. You know, what's next for you? And I and I and, and literally, these are the words that came out of my mouth. I said, I don't want to die working. I want to die watching my work. And that's how I felt. I just didn't know how to articulate it. In, in very few words, and it came out that way, and it was perfect. And what I mean by that is if you help enough people and you are able to partner with individuals and leverage their success because you taught them to be successful, one day you'll be able to sit back and just look. I've helped over 30 people become millionaires, and most of them were in their 20s. Wow. That's, a, that's a lot of people too. I can sit back and watch that work. I'm in my 40s. I'm 44 years old. I get it now. Okay. So I get, I get sit, it, yeah. so I get to sit back already at the you know at, at, when I was 37, 38, 39, I'm 44 right now and I've been watching my work. I residually watch my work which residually pays me because I imparted into these individuals. So I'm like American Idol. I'm like the X factor. If I help elevate you to a point of success, I want to be your partner. And by being your partner, I may take a percentage of your, of, of your success because I helped you get there. So there are many people that I meet that I don't ask them for anything up front because I'm so sold into who they are. I want to be, you know, like like Damon, like Damon and, and Mark Cuban. I want to be like, you know, like Barbara says, I want to be a part of your business. So I have I have made it my assignment in life at this particular part, you know, this particular um, season of my life is to leverage off other individuals' success, hoping they'll pass me up. Damn, Johnny Wimbry said that. <laughs> That's great. Thank you, brother. Uh, I appreciate that, man. Yeah, absolutely. So where can people learn more uh, about you and all of the things that we have been talking about today, Johnny? Well, listen, man, I, I, I'm i in a season of my life right now where I'm looking to help elevate individuals who have powerful voices, have powerful stories by becoming, you know, published authors, by becoming professional speakers. If that's you, if you have a desire and a passion to elevate your stage to the world and you want somebody who can really help you the same way Les Brown helped me, go to CoachJohnny.com www.coachjohnny.com. Drop a message. My staff will set up an interview with you and I'll interview with you. Just because you set the interview doesn't mean that you're 100% in the circle, but we'll start the process of the conversation. And if it's not now, it may be later. There may be some maturity processes that you have to go to, go, go through in order for you to be a part of this. But nevertheless, every single person that goes to coachjohnny.com will get an interview. Fantastic. Well, Johnny, before I ask my final question, I have to acknowledge you because you, you know, I, I really commend you for sharing your journey. You've thank you been, uh, you know, you've been in the trenches a little <laughs> bit, right? You've been in the trenches, and uh, yeah, you know, not not everyone is able, much less even willing to uh, tell the tale. Absolutely. So, you know, with with lessons to derive from it and all the other things you teach. So, you know, I thank you very much for sharing that message. Incredibly welcome. Honored to be here. 
So my final question is, if you could teach a course at a university, course of your creation or otherwise, what would it be? Again, we've talked about many things today. If we were to package it into a course, what would that be? You know, how to become a first generation millionaire. Oh, how know. to become a first generation millionaire, not just to, not just to gain it, not just to maintain it, but to sustain it. I believe that I've been put on this earth to wake up an entire population of individuals who are fighting to become a first generation millionaire. And it's not about the money. It's about the mindset that empowers you to pass a legacy down to a generation that's going to outlive you. And the only way you can really do that is if you're the first generation. Johnny Wimbry, celebrity life coach, man of many talents. Thank you very much, my friend. <laughs> Thank you, my friend. Bless you, brother. There you have it, my friends. This has been another episode of the Growth Mindset University podcast. Now, if you enjoyed this one today, there are a couple of ways that you can give back. The first is, of course, to leave an honest rating and review in Apple Podcasts or iTunes. You can also take a screenshot of this and share it out on your Instagram story and tag me at j underscore Paris underscore and tag our guest as well. And we will absolutely give you some love. And then, of course, if you want to start your own podcast, a podcast like this or any other podcast that you envision, you can go to jordanparis.com slash PU to get free access to Podcast University. All right. I love you all so very much. And until next time, my friends, make every day count, live to learn, and grow to give. <laughs>